0: Thank you all for joining us here at I-80 Sports, where today we continue our 32-part 2021 team previews. Today's team, the Colorado Avalanche. Thank you all for joining us here again at I-80 Sports. Thank you all for joining us here again at IAD Sports. Make sure that you follow us down below at our website, i80sports.com, And if you're here on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe for all of our team previews coming up as we are going to be previewing every single team leading up to the beginning of the NHL season in October. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow us down below at IAD underscore Sports NHL if you're already following. Thank you guys so much because we greatly value all of your support because it would not be possible to make these videos without you. But as per usual, I'm Brian. He's Tom. How are you doing today, Tom? Doing well, doing well. And here we
1: are to preview another team that has that little 90s connection. We just did Dallas before. And another team that used to dominate back in the 90s is the Colorado Avalanche difference with them now is i feel like i know a little bit more about this team we learned a lot about them last year in the playoffs we learned their strengths we learned their weaknesses so uh, let's see what's going to happen with them this year and if they can take that next next step
0: gotta say we've been learning a lot about the potential of this team for the past couple years now but let's start by talking about some 2020 and 2021 team facts from this past nhl season so what was the colorado avalanches record this past year glad you asked It was 39, 13, and four. That's 39 wins to 13 losses to four overtime losses, which was good for 82 points. And they finished first in the West division last year, power play and penalty kill wise. They were above average in both categories on the power play. They were sitting at 22.71%, which is above the league average of 19% on the power play on the penalty kill. They were at 83.05% on the penalty kill, which is above the league average 79% on the penalty kill. And a fun fact here, they had 197 goals for last year, which was good for first in the entire NHL. And they only had 133 goals against, which was good for third in the NHL. So they were quite a decent team last year and a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs last year. Leading scorers on this team, we had Miko Rantanen with sixty-six points, Nathan McKinnon with sixty-five points, and the captain Gabriel Landeskog with fifty-two points. And also, it should be mentioned they had two other players with over forty points last year. That was Andre Burakovsky and Kale McCarr. So, pretty good point production from this team last year. Now let's talk about some key additions and subtractions. We had a couple really big key additions and subtractions here so let's talk let's start with the additions uh some additions this past offseason for the colorado avalanche were ryan murray darcy kemper jordan gross dylan Secura, darren helm stefan Matteau, curtis mcdermott and they also re-signed their captain gabriel landeskog to a seven-year extension subtractions some pretty big ones uh, starting goaltender last year philip grubauer who was also a finalist for the Vezina trophy brandon sod carl soderberg matt calvert pierre edward belmar devin dubnik patrick nemeth connor Timmins, ryan graves and junis donskoy to the expansion draft to seattle so some really interesting names coming and going from the colorado avalanche last year so now Moving on to some X-Factors, and no, we're not talking EA Sports NHL 22 X-Factors. We're talking about our brand of X-Factors. Who is important to the success of the Colorado Avalanche this year? Tom, as usual, I've done enough talking here, so now we're going to turn it over to you. Who, in your mind, are some X-Factors on this Colorado Avalanche lineup this year?
1: Well, I guess the biggest and maybe the most obvious one here is going to be the goaltending. Um As we've seen last year, this is not a defensive team by any means. This isn't a team who wins games by trapping the neutral zone, wins games by playing well on the other side of the puck. They're a very high-octane club, and Philip Grubauer was able to supplement that high-octane hockey with some really great goaltending. Grubauer's gone. He left. He went to Seattle. I feel like um, there was a little bit of a dispute in who they wanted to give that contract to. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, they had to scramble to go bring in Darcy Kempfer, who is not a bad goalie by any means, but he's definitely not Philip Grubauer. I guess a positive with the goaltending is they still have Pavel Francos, who's been a very good backup for them, and it could turn into a 1A, 1B situation if need be, if they feel that they're both at the same level. They could rotate them in and out on certain nights, and that may, in a way, help them out, because they could have two fresh goalies come playoff times who they could play in any situation. But at the same time, they're not a defensive juggernaut like the team that knocked them out, the Vegas Golden Knights. And if this goaltending does suffer, they might be in a little bit of trouble.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's easier to say who is not an X-factor because of how deep this lineup is. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Makar, Gerard, Kadri, Burkovsky, Taves. These are just examples of guys I can talk a lot about here. But to be honest... You already know the deal on all of these players and what their strengths are. They're very notable people amongst the NHL. So instead, let's talk about somebody that we need to get to know a little bit more on this Colorado Avalanche lineup and expand a little bit on what Tom was talking about before in Darcy Kemper. So, general manager Joe Sakic succeeded in bringing back his captain, Gabriel Landeskog on a long-term deal. But that being said, no one really thought their starting goaltender and Vezina finalist, Philip Grubauer, was going to walk-in free agency, let alone to the Seattle Kraken. So this put Joe Sackick in a bind and forced him to overpay Arizona for Darcy Kemper's services. Now, what did they trade away in this deal? They traded away their high defensive prospect, Connor Timmons, who on many boards was ranked as the number three prospect on the Colorado Avalanche behind Alex Newhook and Bowen Byram. And they also traded away to first round pick in this upcoming draft as well. So two premium pieces being given away for a goaltender who had a bit of a down year uh in his year, uh in his age 30 season. Uh Kemper is, you know, slowly entering the wrong side of his prime. Uh the past two seasons, the previous two seasons, besides this one, he put up a save percentage above 925, which is great on a steadily improving Arizona team. But now from last year when Arizona was in the decline, he only put up a 907 save percentage. And a lot of people are quick to say, well, he did it for a really bad Colorado, not Colorado team, a really bad Arizona team. But, you know, a lot of that starts with the goaltending. That doesn't necessarily help the numbers. Based on the pieces being Dell, Colorado was expecting Darcy Kemper to perform like Philip Grubauer did last year, and frankly, I think that's unfair to expect, and potentially unrealistic. Darcy Kemper is a very good goaltender, but he's a guy where you need a solid backup for him to be your starter, and once again this year, for the third year in a row, Colorado does not have that. Pavel Frank, is a decent goaltender. Do not get me wrong. I don't think he is one of the best backups in the league by a long shot. There are a lot of good other backup options. And for the third year in a row, third year in a row, I feel like Colorado failed to address a major need. And I really hope it doesn't bite Colorado in the butt here. Kemper could see sixty starts this season, the most he ever had before. Then was with Arizona in 2018 where he started 55 games. He's never started more than 55. Granted, in that 2018 season, he did register a save percentage above 925. But Kemper is going to need to be a bell cow for Colorado, and I really hope he can do it. So it's just going to be interesting to see and interesting to watch over the course of this season for Darcy Kemper. I think he is your main X factor on the Colorado Avalanche this year. Now let's talk about some breakout candidates which I have a few in mind here, but when we're talking about breakout candidates, we're talking about guys that could come in and make a name for themselves this year that really haven't made a name for themselves just yet on an NHL roster. Tom, let's start with you who are some breakout candidates in your mind on this Colorado roster?
1: well I think it's it's two obvious choices right here it's guys like uh, Alex Newhook and but uh, not like them guys who are Alex Newhook and Bowen Byram. Uh, Their prospect pool has been highly touted over the last few years. Um, And the patience and development narrative that Joe Sack uh, lives by has worked out very well. Go look at Nathan McKinnon. Everyone was considering him a bust, and now he's one of the best players in the league. Um, Right now, we're looking at New Hook on the third line, on the left wing. Um, As uh, you you say that, and Daily Facelift says that as well, I'd like to see him make some strides and hopefully slot into that second-line center ice position. He was brought up as a center. He played center in juniors. He played center in college. He's a natural center. Obviously, right now the centerized position on Colorado is highly saturated, so he's going to play on the left. But if an injury occurs, or you know he plays really well, I'm hoping his play will force Jared Bednar to put him in that in that centerized position on the second line, right behind Nathan McKinnon. Another guy here is Bowen Byram. Uh, he's a highly touted D prospect, and while many think he is in the um, he is he does fall by x, um philosophy he see, he seems to be doing well he seems to he did a little he did well last year um i feel it's fair to start him on the third pair right now but if you can realize his potential i could see him being bumped up to the second pair and maybe even being given time on the second power play unit he is kind of projected to start there per what i've read but i don't know if that's going to be a given come opening night we got to see how he does in training camp we got to see how he does in preseason but i feel like that could be a guy if he really really comes along you have McCarr on your first unit, on your first defensive unit, on your first defensive pair. You have Byron on your second defensive pair, and it's the same principle with the power play. You have McCarr quarterback in that first power play unit, and you can have Byron uh, quarterback in the second power play unit, and that can make this team very, very, very dangerous.
0: I agree. I'm going to expand on your point with uh, Alex Newhook and Bowen Byram first before I go into uh, my other two choices that I have for breakout candidates. But... uh Byram had a taste of the NHL last year, uh, but still had some room to grow. And being one of the biggest defensive prospects in the NHL, I think it's safe to say, look for Bowen Byram to take a big step forward this year, likely pairing with veteran Ryan Murray. Uh, Alex Newhook uh, could also be a very good contributor in the top nine this year for Colorado, potentially helping Colorado forget about losing Brandon Sod in free agency. So speaking of which, the last two guys I'm going to mention here could also help the Avalanche forget about losing Brandon Saad on the left side. The first is the likely the person who I think is going to replace Brandon Saad on the second line, and that's JK, JT Comfer. Comfer will lo- likely step into a top six role this year uh, with the absence of Brandon Saad, and Comfer is certainly ready for it. Yes, he only had 18 points in a minimal role last year, but those numbers could only go up this year if he's paired on the second line with Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky. I think that could be a very good pairing in that top six. The last guy may surprise some, but for those of you who know my love for the New Jersey Devils, this should come as no surprise. Mikhail Maltsev. This is a player that does not get nearly the appreciation he deserves and has been an afterthought by a lot of people he could prove to be a good role player on the avalanche this year in fourth line minutes and has shown that he has some really really nice looking hands and offensive upside he had nine points in a limited role last year for the devils but six of those nine points were goals He could be interesting to watch this year on a very good Colorado team, and if given the opportunity, I think he could surprise a lot of people and turn some heads, if also given some shootout time as well. Now it's time to get into the potential opening night lineup for the Colorado Avalanche. One thing to note here is we are in the the end of August, beginning of September right now. So we've got a lot of time between now and October when the season begins. So we just want to preface by saying that real quick. But that being said, let's get into what this lineup could look like come opening night for the Colorado Avalanche. So we're first going to start with the top line, our top forward line, which we're going from left wing to center to right wing. Starting off, this may be one of the best lines in hockey. Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon. Mikko Rantanen there's only one other line in mind that I think is better but we'll get there when we finally get there when we talk about one particular team next on forward line two we've got JT Comfer with Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky as I talked about before next moving on to line three we've got Alex Newhook with Tyson Jost and Valeri Nechushkin and on forward line four we've got Mikhail Maltsev with Darren Helm and Logan O'Connor Moving on to the first line of defense, we've got Devin Taves with Kale McCarr. Moving on to the second line of defense, Samuel Gerrard paired with Eric Johnson, a returning Eric Johnson this year. And on defense line three, Bowen Byram with Ryan Murray. And the goaltending, as we alluded to before, we've got starting goaltender Darcy Kemper. And serving as his backup goaltender this year, as of right now, is Pavel frank Hoos. So not a bad-looking lineup at all. That certainly does seem like a team that could be prime for much much success moving forward into this 2021-2022 season. But we've got to talk about some variables. What are some things that could change between now and October? What are some things that could change between October to the end of the season? Because we also want to talk a little bit about how things could change as the season evolves. Tom, I'll start with you. What are some variables in your mind?
1: Uh, my biggest one here is actually their captain, Gabriel Landskog. Um, they kept him with that money over Grubauer, who I felt they probably should have given that money to. His contract has me scratching my head a little bit at it because I feel like it's a, just a little too long for a player like him. Um, out of that great first line that they do have, I feel like between him, McKinnon, and Rantanen, he was the most expendable. And I mentioned before about how I don't like Newhook playing the left wing on the third line. I feel like if they did let Landis Scott walk, you could have slotted Newhook right in there on that first line on the left side. You would have not had any problems. Um, if he struggles here, if Landis Scott struggles and the goaltending struggles, you're going to have a lot of people second-guessing Joe Sackett. Um, Like I said, that contract before, I'm scratching my head on it. I think that right now it makes sense because they're trying to win a Stanley Cup and he's their captain. But I feel like down the line, that's something that's really, really going to hurt them. Um, So take it what you will. But I think those are the two biggest variables is Landis Scott's contract and how his play will be this year. And his play will be going forward throughout the years. And the goaltending. Those are just the two in my head.
0: Yeah. For me, I'm kind of grasping at straws in terms of variables here because I don't think there's a ton of variable here. I think... One question I have is how much will this top line carry this team and how much is Colorado going to rely on their top line to carry the team? I honestly don't think it's that much because they've got a pretty deep lineup, especially in terms of their forwards. I think uh, all lines can contribute in this lineup. Um, Number two, will Darcy Kemper carry his weight and help Colorado finally reach the Stanley cup final. That's going to be a big thing to look for. Plus, if things do go south, as Tom and I alluded to before, will Sackic try to make a move for another goaltender to serve as a 1B to Darcy Kemper if things do go south? That's going to be interesting to watch come trade deadline time. And then lastly, just how good could this team be? Because we might be bringing up these devil, devil's advocate scenarios, but I got to be honest. This is a really, really good Colorado team. Is it as good as last year? Not quite. I don't think it's as good as last year's iteration of the team. But I think it is still competitive with last year's team. And just slightly below, but it also hinges on the success of the newcomers on this team as well. But before we wrap things up, it's time for our question of the day, which our question of the day is the same as always. Where did the Colorado Avalanche Finish in the Central Division this year. Tom, we'll start with you. Where does Colorado finish?
1: Well, like I said, despite my concerns above with the goaltending, despite my concerns above with uh, Landeskog, I still see them in first place. I just, the rest of that division's kind of a crapshoot, and I really, really just can't see anybody posing a challenge to them right now. Just, I, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah. And I agree. Even with everything I mentioned above, I still think the Colorado Avalanche finishes in first place in the Central Division. Like I said about Vegas in our Vegas Golden Knights video and our team preview for them, this is the same scenario as it was for Vegas. This is the Colorado Avalanche's division to lose at this point because I just don't see any other team in the central division. That's quite on their level. So that being said, my prediction, I think the Colorado Avalanche finished first in the central division this year, but What do you guys think? Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? Make sure that you let us know down below. Drop a comment. Let us know if you agree or disagree. And while you're there, drop a like and also subscribe for all of our team previews coming up because, hey, you might not necessarily be a fan of the Colorado Avalanche, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be covering your favorite team because we are covering all 32 teams leading up to the beginning of the NHL season in October. So you definitely don't want to miss that. And where else can you check out our content? Glad you asked. Down below, i80sports.com, you can find all of our team previews there as well, as well as our YouTube page and on our playlist, but you can also find all of our NHL content there as well. If you like other sports, you can also find our NFL, MLS, NCAA football, and NBA content there as well. You got to make sure you check out that content. They are doing an awesome job too. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow us down below at i 80 NHL, which If you're already following, thank you guys so much because we greatly value all of your support because without you guys, we can't do this on a weekly basis for you guys. But it's time to wrap things up here for the Colorado Avalanche. I'm Brian. He's been Tom. This has been our Colorado Avalanche 2021-2022 team preview.